Welcome back to the Summer Podcast. Hope you're having a great day. My name is Richard Emerson, and today we're going to talk about a clip from last week with Douglas Murray and N.T. Wright. The topic for this little clip is, is called Why My Intellectual Peers Are Converting to Christianity, or Catholicism, as Murray is, uh, is being more specific about. And we're just going to try to lay out the argument of why this could be, especially since this person, Douglas Murray, seems so surprised that thoughtful intellectual friends have found their way into the Christian traditions. So uh, just the two, the two people talking there. So N.T. Wright is an um, English New Testament scholar. He's a Pauline theologian and an Anglican bishop. And he was also the Bishop of Durham from 2003 to 2010. Uh, he's written a great book, a uh, biography about Paul a couple of years ago, which uh, we read last year. And it's a really interesting historical account of, of how, how the whole story with Paul and how he is also then writing the epistles and, and to what extent he's actually shaping the early forms of Christendom through his work in church planting uh, with a very kind of historical uh, laying out how this happened. And um, Douglas Murray is a British author. So back to the question, why could it be that intellectual, thoughtful, philosophical, rational, secular people could be turning towards Christendom or Catholicism. And just the main argument, the conclusion is just that because it is very interesting from a philosophical, secular viewpoint as well, if you look in the right places. So there's a wealth of writing and thinking you can delve into and you can enjoy for your enrichment, both intellectually and spiritually. So, but to find these openings... It could be interesting to look then a bit back in time with either the, the early Greek writers or the Catholic Latin writers. So with St. Gregory of Nyssa, or he's around the 300 AD, or St. Bonaventure, or Richard of St. Victor. Those are two intellectuals who work first at the University of Paris with philosophy, and then Gregor of Nyssa was also a Hellenistic philosopher until he was 40 years old, and then he starts integrating the biblical stories. And then these two figures from, from Paris around the 1200s, or also then Dante, who is in many ways summing up the last 200 years for him with this new intellectual theology and spiritual theology that, that was developed in mostly Italy and France in the 11 and 1200s. So... That could be kind of an in to try to, to understand more of the thinking. And then you will open so many new doors into understanding more how in both of these eras, the rational philosophy and the spiritual philosophy and the, and the mystery, the divine mystery is all kind of, there's, there is no contradiction. It's blended together in very sophisticated, deep, and impressive kind of uh, structures or unified models of of knowledge and the experience of of being and the world and and uh, just a way of of using the whole of your intellect and the whole of yourself in trying to apprehend and have a deeper understanding of of being and the mysteries. So 
that's the overall argument of why it's actually not a surprise that people who are thoughtful, secular intellectuals might be drawn into the, especially the two big traditions of Catholicism and Orthodoxy. So, and we also say that, like, once this path has been opened, then it's also a little bit hard to go back because then you see that if you cut out all of these things and you stay strictly within a fully rational, graspable kind of domain or realm, it, it will begin to seem, in a sense, just partial, like that you're not looking at everything. And then <laughs> it's once you have a little bit grip of something that is beyond and getting a sense of this, like how to apprehend mystery or how to take small steps into what could then be called transcendent in the sense of being beyond us and beyond our understanding. But then you can sense that you could actually have some uh, kind of indirect feeling or understanding of things and it can be made concrete and then you can actually expand what is your, like even your platform could be expanded and then even you can have then a different relationship to things that are still transcendent and beyond you, but that could also then be kind of, you could in some sense uh, push the boundaries of what is seen as, as mysteries as well. So uh, that's why it's, it's, it will be hard to go back after this. And then you can also see that if you can combine the more spiritual uh, and the more kind of engaging with the mystery through a rational mind as well, then when you're combining this, like a rational secular basis with the, the deeper traditions, it might just feel a lot more rewarding and stimulating and exciting mentally to just learn more and also get some kind of intimations and, and ways of thinking that is deeper. And then you will also discover other truths that you see that you can't express through purely through rational kind of prose, for example. In just the same way that you can find, understand wisdom in Greek mythology, for example, you can understand that, that the myth about Icarus, like the, the little boy who flies too high with the wings and then they melt and he falls down, then you see that this ex is expressing a deep truth that is timeless, it's, it's real, it didn't happen in, in the concrete sense in the story, but it happens all the time, all over the planet, thousands of times, places, every, <laughs> all the time, people are going beyond their limitations, not limitations, but beyond their, uh, let's say, their competence or beyond what they can, like <laughs> beyond their own means or, or um, let's use the word boundaries. And then there are consequences from that. So that was just a little aside, but it's just... To warm up this, uh, um, you will gradually get a more relaxed way of, of approaching like the, the, the deep wisdom and knowledge that are embedded in stories, for example, also in a spiritual sense. And then if you go, if you study Dante and the comedy, that will gradually build up this way of, of moving very slowly from the purely rational and then a little bit more of the spiritual and then how they work together. And how this also in many form, in many ways, forms a basis for the whole 
Renaissance way of thinking, that you have a balanced worldview. We're using both of kind of both of your brain parts as well, but but both of these two realms of understanding. Okay, so that was kind of the second second step. So the first is that it's it, it's very interesting and stimulating both intellectually and spiritually. Then once the path is open, you kind of probably not going to go back to a fully kind of restricted rational basis. And then as a third point, which is what might happen to some and not to others, but some might also find on a personal level, a personal faith, which make people might take the, the step of converting in itself. But there's also possible to, to, to not take that step and still appreciate the beauty, the wisdom, the interestingness of especially the two big traditions within Christendom uh, from a secular rational perspective again. So um, it's also... Once you start diving into things, you start seeing how things have been defined in different ways. So now I'm just going to have a couple of examples. For example, what, like divinity and faith in themselves, like or God and faith. In the Catholic, it's very much centered around the divine or God as being in itself. So it's not a person. It's not like a. It's not <laughs> someone on the cloud uh, judging. It's existence in itself, and this is rooted in Exodus. 3.14, when Moses gets the name, the full name of the divine, which just means in the Hebrew, existence in many ways. It means many, many things, but one of them is just exist. It's a whole being. So it goes from the divine from being all the spiritual beings and the source of the spiritual beings, which is the name Elohim, which is in the first, like in the opening of, of Genesis. And then it evolves into being existence. So that's crucial to, to have a starting point of what at least the Catholic tradition, means with the divine And when they talk about God. And then if you talk about faith, this is something that Dante in the paradise, in the Paradiso, he's being examined by St. Peter in the eighth sphere. Like he's on, he's right at kind of be the, the point where he's almost being accepted into the, the final biggest kind of heaven beyond time and space. And then he has to, show that he understands the words faith and hope and love or charity. So the first topic is faith. We're going to keep this short, but he has to explain or define the word faith. And then what Dante does is that he says, he's quoting St. Paul and he says, faith is the substance of hoped for things, an argument for what cannot be seen. Like two parts. It's a substance of hoped for things, meaning like if you hope for things, that the substance of that is what is defined as faith. And then, then you have the argument for trying to, to prove, for example, with, with logic or with, with statements, that there is something beyond. But the first part is very interesting because then you could see that it could be like what people, if people today think that a statement like, I just, like, I would like to make the world a better place for Catholic people in the medieval times, that would be a way of saying that you have faith because you have a conviction that that statement is a positive, that it is a good thing. And from a purely rational perspective, it's complicated to argue that that is 100% uh, kind of proved. So if you think, if you have a feeling or a conviction that is a good thing to try to be a good person and make the world a better place, that would qualify as faith in 
other times in history. So this is a bit going back to the beginning. Like if you think of understanding deeper things within Christendom, for example, there are 2,000 years of, of history. And in some of the older traditions, it's, it's, a different, it's a different world to kind of orient yourself in. So that's a kind of a, a part of a process that is interesting. So anyways, um, that was about 12 minutes. So just to sum it up, so when Douglas Murray wonders or he's surprised that some of his thoughtful intellectual friends are moving towards uh, Catholicism and converting, this might be some of the reason for that. And which is also something to look out for in the coming years because many thoughtful people might discover the same if only they're shown a little opening. And then let's just uh, wrap this up with one idea of, of where this could happen, which could be through symbolism, to understand symbolism and and to read allegorically. Like with St. Gregory of Nyssa, that Nyssa, the whole story of Moses is about your inner spiritual journey towards enlightenment and understanding. And then these different steps, kind of... Um, liberating yourself from Egypt, going through the desert, kind of going through the struggles, going through a purification in many ways, also through the, the Red Sea, and then the, the soldiers drowning is kind of your old stuff being left behind as, while you are improving or understanding things better. And then the final climb of the mountain is another metaphor of learning and understanding more th things and more deeply. And once you open those kind of perspectives, then other things kind of it, it it has ramifications all over the place so then you're kind of on a new journey and uh, an exciting exploring journey and adventure so that's all we wanted to say kind of this was spurred by watching this little clip we're going to have the have the link down below in the description and um, if you have any thoughts just leave us a comment on Castbox, where we have uh, the podcast so you can put comments there okay so with that hope you're having a great day and a great week and thank you, as always, so much for listening and see you again in the next episode.